Welcome to Fun with Procurement. I'm your host, Emma Edwards, part of the marketing team here at 2x2. Fun with Procurement is the place to listen for any procurement professionals and anyone who has an interest in procurement to get invaluable insight into the issues facing us today. Our speakers today are Rob Kisek, the founder and CEO of 2x2. Born in Neath, Rob is a proud father of two with a drive to add value to people's lives. Helping people is what motivates him whether it's by saving churches, schools, businesses and charities money through 2 by 2 or by helping his community. Rob is the chair of trustees for his local church where he works with others to aid those in need. And I'm delighted to introduce our very special guest today, first time for Jennifer Williamson, Director of Church Marketplace. Jenny works with Catholic organisations, schools and trusts to achieve value for money to further the mission of the church. Church Marketplace has worked with 2 by 2 for over 10 years. This episode today is all about procurement challenges for multi-academy trusts. Hello, Rob, Jenny, welcome. We're going to start with a bit of a, hi, <laughs> bit of an off-topic question. What was your favourite band as a teenager? And we'll go to our brand new um, speaker, Jenny. Okay, so... Um... I was very lucky to be born in a, a very strong era of music. And then as a teenager, my first album I bought was Adam and the Ants and Music. I'm not that familiar. <laughs> what's their favourite, what's their best song out there, uh, Jim? British Charming. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to sing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. Also, you two, Duran Duran, a great era. Yeah, I think it's hard to pick one band, isn't it? Really difficult. What about you, Rob? Uh, I think mine, being a, a, a good Welsh boy, uh, probably Stereophonics. Um, I absolutely loved Stereophonics when I was younger. Um, uh, quite quite a broad music taste. Um, so I guess you know, the early Now albums, kind of probably there's a, a mix of stuff on there. Um, yeah, but I would say probably Stereophonics. Went to watch them at Cardiff Castle um, about 25 years ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a strong contender for my favourite band when I was a teenager. Yeah, good choice, good choice. Great, thank you. So, yeah, let's get on to uh, why we're here and talk about the subject of... Um, procurement challenges for Matt's. What do you think are the greatest challenges they face today? And we'll start with Rob. Yeah, I think Matt's are in a really interesting um, space at the moment, an interesting time, I guess, in the, in kind of education at the moment for multi-academy trusts. One of the, the key challenges, I think, from a procurement perspective is um, management of risk. I think the government agenda, which is clearly pushing towards growing multi-academy trusts, and, and we see that in, this, in the education, Department of Education strategy, um, is starting to um, really kind of accelerate the growth of multi-academy trusts. Um, there are you know, well over a thousand multi-academy trusts now, but if you look at the average size of them, they're still fairly small. They kind of initially started at single. Um, kind of SATs, single academy trust, then moved into small multi-academy trusts. And we're seeing this real emergence now of, of bigger multi-academy trusts, certainly in that kind of 11 to 26 um, space, that, that size, and a lot of consolidation of mats in the small, the smaller mats into that, that bigger size. And whenever you do that, whenever you bring organisations together, risk is always a, a massive challenge. So I think risk in terms of from a procurement perspective, that um, what are the legal 
um, contracts that those schools have in place? What are the, what are the risks that are being onboarded or brought into that multi academy trust as a result of bringing either new schools in or or other multi academy trusts merging together? Um, and I think it's an area that really um, broadly multi academy trusts haven't got to grips with yet. They do a lot of due diligence and a lot of talking with schools around kind of how they work together from an educational standpoint. They look at the the legals of the the entity itself. Um, but more often than not, they don't seem to get under the skin of the actual contractual liabilities and issues there um, the schools may bring. And we've seen a number of, of issues where you know individual schools can join a multi-academy trust and they've got a massive liability potentially in something like a, an MFD contract, for example. Um, and that MAT, without realising it, is taking on that responsibility. So I think risk is a big one. I think that onboarding process generally um, and you know, I, I see a lot of stuff on on Twitter um, and and on LinkedIn and various other kind of education space around the culture of multi academy trust and understanding what the vision and the culture is of a particular multi academy trust before a school joins it, and making sure that you've got an aligned culture uh, between who you are as, a, as an individual school and the multi academy trust. And I'm sure Jenny will talk about that from a from a Catholic perspective. Um, but yeah, those those kind of are two key areas. I think for me and if i was going to take that kind of onboarding um one step further in terms of kind of area that, that you know, procurement challenge i would say then it's understanding who are the suppliers um, and what they're spending their money on um, and really trying to rationalize how they can get best value for money one of the things that the government talk about a lot with multi academy trust is they help schools to get better value for money they talk about being able to have bigger buying power etc but you really need to understand your suppliers really to understand the marketplace in which you're operating, when your contracts are up, whether you're buying the same goods and services. Um, and that whole piece, I think, is needs to be done really, really well to be able to to maximise the value that you can get from procurement as a multi-academy trust. Yeah, thank you. Just adding to that, Robert, in my thoughts turn to uh, the emergence from the pandemic and um, the, the trying to return to the norm but in a severe times of... Um, unprecedented inflation that we're seeing and starting starting to come through now and uh, really affecting our schools with different uh, different areas i feel the greatest challenge for them today is the ability for them to find capacity within their leadership teams and their finance teams to actually maximize the potential for aggregation across their family of schools and that is that is uh, where we uh, as a service and the new service that we have you know, could really um, add a lot of value to our maths. And it's it's the relationships that we have, the strong relationships that we have with schools and the existing relationships we have with schools, as they convert into their own larger maths, it's ensuring that we continue to serve and continue those strong relationships so we can be the capacity that they need to be able to deliver and to maximise the value for money and the continued um, benefits of aggregation across their family of schools. So we are basically there to help and assist um, at no cost to, to the schools um, if they wish to do so. But, you know, as I said, building on the track record that we have with our maps, we've got lots of case studies that we can share um, and obviously peer-to-peer -peer, um, assistance that I'm sure we can help our maps with. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, Rob. And and touching on, you touched on um, inflation and COVID, Jenny, and got, uh, following on from that, how do you think um, the current economy has affected procurement for maths? 
Or again, with the rising costs across the board for school supplies in all categories, schools need to consider savings and that normally comes in the form of a staffed structure. So what we're seeing here is, is potentially if they work with a procurement company like, our, like ourselves, but the beauty being for us, we're, we've been built by schools for schools with the school's interest at the heart of what we do. The impact on their capacity, we're improving that at no cost to them. But in addition to that, if a school needs um, assistance from specialist assistance from, um, you know, from, from consultants, we've also got that added value that we can say, OK, to our partners two by two, could you please, um, you know, quote for, to, to be able to help with that bespoke work and strategy. So this helps it speed, uh, speed up the process of actually um, delivering a strategy. I think we're going to start to see the government add more pressure onto uh, organisations asking what their strategic vision is, not only budgets, but in terms of what is their vision of and how, how are they aggregating their, their mat spend. And I think we're going to start to see that coming in within the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah, I think from from my side, I think you're right. Inflation is a is a big issue at the moment. We're seeing, I mean, I've seen so much content at the moment around energy prices in schools, um, and a real try and call out to try and look at how how you know the government can support schools, how Department of Education can support schools on the, on procurement of energy over the next, um, kind of, I, I guess, the next couple of years. Probably, I suspect that the that the prices are going to be broadly where they are. Um, so that's that's clearly an error. Inflation, cost of living. I think cost of living generally not just on the budgetary costs for schools, but also the impact on their students is really important because we're going to start to see potentially more schools needing free school meal, deliver free school meals, as we start to see the crunch really kind of have an impact on those low income families. Um, so I think there's going to be that's going to be an additional burden for schools that they almost will be hidden, but you know, won't be will be clearly visible. But it's something that I think you know schools will be concerned about because ultimately, if you've got children coming to school hungry, then they're going to be struggling more with their education. So there are real kind of welfare issues that schools address and pick up with that. Brexit um, has, has you know has, has been directly linked to you know in a number of cases to the inflation that we're seeing, but also the challenges around supply. Um, I think our, our big challenge is we look at the catering um, services at the moment that we deliver in, in a lot of schools, um, supporting them with the procurement, but actually the actual supply of the goods and the need for changes to menus and all kinds of things because of stock availability, food availability. So along, alongside um, Brexit and inflation, the new procurement bill that's coming through from um, the UK government, which is being built very much around transparency around procurement about the building in of social value um the looking at uh, net zero and how net zero carbon economy can be built in around um around procurement performance and, and the procurement contracting i think schools are going to have to be a multi-academy trust going to have to be aware of that because when you're in a multi-academy trust so much of your procurement has to go through pcr 2015 regulations um, because of that kind of aggregation of the spend coming together, takes most things that they buy uh, will go over that that threshold. So I think that understanding from a from a procurement perspective, the strategy, um, I think will the need for the procurement strategy to include that procurement bill, I think will be a key challenge. That the current economy will put pressure on that because of the inflation and the price rises. So there's going to be this interesting tension, I think, in schools between their values 
and what they want to deliver and the culture and how they want to support the local economies and how they want to support you know small businesses and all that kind of stuff that is fantastic for schools and the increased costs that they're going to see at the moment which is which is a big challenge the last one i would say um as a point on on, on kind of the impact of, of the current economy is knowledge leak so coming out from a pandemic and the, the stress of the pandemic and the stress of managing a school estate um, through the pandemic, um, I think we will see leakage. I think we're already starting to see leakage of you know, experienced school business managers, school business leaders um, within the sector. And I think there's a real, you know, it's got to be a real concern there as that, if that knowledge starts to leak out of the education sector, you know, how can we support and how can we train individuals to come in behind and, and fill that gap um, because it will undoubtedly leave a gap in the sector. You just uh, prompted my thoughts there of actually about knowledge in terms of uh, lots of MAP boards um, and governing bodies don't actually um, have been beautifully oblivious to PCR 2015 regulations all this time and um, certainly we, we see it as our, our role don't we as, uh, as, as a buying group to actually raise awareness within within those arenas to tell them, first of all, that they need to have compliant contracts in place, but also to say to them, we have actually already done this for you and, and done all of that work. And it's us ensuring that our added value is really actually seen visibly more so than ever before, as, as we, as again, as we emerge out of these uh, unprecedented times. So I think the future challenge, as, as you've already mentioned, is the, the, the academy um, sort of uh, strategy for the government is really, again, gathering speed and, and we're seeing that and that no doubt there's going to be lots of nudges from the government uh, over the next few months. But luckily for us as two our organisations, we have the, the vision to actually work together in collaboration because uh, let's face it, being a map is all about being collaborative and, and saving best value. And that's the early conversations that we had as two organisations was the fact that we were duplicating um, in some in some areas of what we wanted to offer schools. So by actually joining forces and building on those strong relationships we have now for 10, 12 years, we knew we could add real good value to our to our existing uh, marketplace. And obviously, um, as as we as we we see this current economy, we are in a really good place. We feel for schools by schools. That's our message with a charitable purpose. Um, and, that, and that's a great position to be in. You mentioned um, aggregations and uh, collaborative buy-in, Jenny. Um, how, how else do you see us overcoming these challenges um, where maths are concerned? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's about um, raising awareness, really, and showcasing. Um, we now have many, many case studies, and it's, it's us um, raising awareness, building our network, Talking like and building on the uh, the webinars that we that we do, which we see a great take up on now, and getting those procurement champions and, and procurement partners. Talking to our education buying group board, we've got three mats on there that we're working very well with, and again, it's it's because we listen to our audience that we can actually react because we are wanting to serve the best way we can. We are very will willing to listen. And as an organisation where we're all working on the same page, we can actually change our direction and prioritise different uh, categories according to the needs that our mats want, which is exactly why we've done catering and cleaning as, uh, to the first, um, as the first contracts that we've had. And obviously looking at the spend of schools and 
again, what our schools want us to do next is why we've done telecoms, is why we're doing stationary. So again, we're very responsive to the needs of our maths, asking us to help them overcome the challenges. Yeah, I, I think at a mat level, I think as well, it's about getting ahead of the curve. So being proactive, um, thinking about how they can do good contract management. Um, I think it's about how do they um, use their systems well. And I think that again, when you know Jenny touched on it there about collaboration, it's it's how do we get organisations to collaborate together? And often they don't have time to do that collaboration. They they all want to work together, but actually they all have their day jobs and they're all incredibly busy. School business leaders are some of the busiest people I know. And you know, so trying to find that time to collaborate is really difficult. And I guess that's partly where where what we're doing with education buying group and the collaboration working with, uh, as Jane said, with, with Church Marketplace and 2x2 two two and, and the Three Mosses Academy Trust, it's about building that collaboration at a kind of at a national level and then being able to provide that support to individual organisations, multi-academy trusts, not just within the math, but also across maths to be able to collaborate and work together. And I think if they can get ahead of the challenge and try and you know look at when the contracts come up for renewal, look at using the use of systems well, things like contracts registers, um, you know, looking at contract management tools, um, then you can start to see those opportunities for collaboration and you can start to kind of fight back against the tide of inflation, you know, challenges with supply chains, etc. But it really is about how can we do that together um, rather than trying to everybody trying to do it individually. Absolutely. And, you know, we begin, don't we, by asking schools to share with us their data for contract renewal dates, their, um, you know, their notice periods and their spend. And that helps us then form a bespoke strategy informed by the needs of that mat in terms of timeliness and what is falling due first. So, you know, these things are only done in partnership, but the actual outcome is a bespoke actual strategy for a mat uh, and as 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 one or two mats may expand it and form a single mat so we have that mat growth again it's ensuring that we're there and we continue those strong relationships as as our family of schools grow yes definitely um when mats in particular are looking at high value contracts you know there is uh, certainly some and um, with catering the cleaners a lot of money involved so what advice would you give to mats that are you know in terms of compliance and, and things like that i think it depends on um as you said most most spends a lot of spends these days with multi countries will go over pcr threshold so so clearly they need somebody with professional procurement expertise in there to understand how to navigate that mine that minefield now, some multi cash trusts, particularly the, the much bigger ones, um, have resource in house to do that. Um, but even they, we find, you know, often are struggling for time because of the the scope. You know, even, even maths that we talk to that have got one, two, three people in a procurement team, actually are still coming in and saying the breadth of our role is so big, we need more support. Um, so I think definitely trying to get the right expertise, and that's something that, uh, as Jenny touched on, we're really trying with EBG um, Education Buying Group to, to to create that suite of support and resources um, that is really built around that 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 evolving model of multi academy trusts, um, and I think that's you know that, that's absolutely critical. 
But I think there are um, there are other things that they can do potentially. So you know, when they're looking at how they're procuring that question, and I know you know, Department for Education talks a lot about frameworks and dynamic purchasing systems. And probably if I go back, probably three or four years, it was a real challenge in the education space to find good frameworks and DPSs that were education based, um, that were you know built around the needs of a school. Um, and that has evolved, that's improved. Um, and, there's, and there's some work from the Department of Education that they've done that, that has helped with that, certainly. Um, but I think there, you know, what we saw is still that need, and particularly that need for multi-academy trusts to think about their procurement needs, um, which is why we, we, we run the frameworks and the DPSs that we do, because we think there is a, a quite a unique need in multi-academy trusts um, for that procurement support. So. I would say frameworks and DPSs are are definitely helpful, um, not just because they're more efficient to run the tender process through or or a call-off process through, um, but than running their own bespoke tender. They're also, from a risk perspective, they're less risky um, because the vetting of the suppliers has already been done. You're picking off an identified short list of suppliers who've gone through a due diligence process that you know are able, uh, capable of delivering the services that you're you're looking for. So there's there's protection in using a framework or a DPS compared against uh, an individual tender. And I think there is a risk with tenders, particularly as inflation um, goes up and pressure on private sector increases, there's a risk of more challenge um, of procurement um, practices and procurement tenders um, from the private sector, which is which we regularly see whenever there's a whenever there is a kind of a crunch time um, in the economy, generally the challenge, level of challenges rises because the private sector is, is under pressure. So I think there's a provision and a protection within that that frameworks and DPSs give. Um, but I do think again it comes back to how do we work together, um, and that's really why you know again it is the heart of education buying grouping for schools and by schools. And I know we you know we say it a lot, but it is true. You know that's that is effectively the service that we're trying to to create and, and, and have created is is one which really has that collaborative spirit at its heart, um, sharing information, sharing knowledge, sharing the benefit amongst those multi academy trusts. Um, to be able to support schools in delivering that education you know, to the best of their ability. And I do, yeah, I, I think that's probably collaboration, use of frameworks and DPSs and the tools that are out there, definitely important, um, and that professional procurement advice. And I, if I may, Rob, just to add to that as well, today's title, today's topic is fun with procurement. We all like yeah. to have fun. When it's not fun is when we haven't got enough time or something's urgent. And so yeah. that's why it's very important that we understand a Matt's needs and when their contracts are falling due, so that we aren't having to, um, you know, turn around things very quickly, causing, like I say, potentially an increased risk, but more importantly, a stress on a stress, uh, not only to the school business managing attorney and the Matt board, but also, you know, those that are working with them as well. So. I would say, please, you know, give it time. Certain with um, with catering and cleaning it involves people and there's HR processes that need to go through. So you need to be going sort of like 10 to eight months ahead of time to give all of those processes lots of time and building capacity for pauses if we need to pause and sort things out. So certainly strategic approach, let's not rush, 
let's let's have a nice calm approach so we can have some fun with procurement so jenny you are newly you are in charge of a newly formed mat procurement wise what is the very first thing that you would do pick up the phone or send an email i'm already registered with education buying group of course i am i would be working with them now i'm in a mat i'm thinking okay let's contact them and let's let's uh, get some assistance let's complete the contract audit tool because i've just been through the uh, academy conversion process i already know the healthiness and the, the, my dates i should already have the data of when my contract's for due so together with a collaborative partner we can actually form the strategy and look at all of the family of schools, look at the profiles for each category, and then work with them to prioritise um, the actual workflow that we need to do to deliver the um, strategic um, procurement vision for the mat. Rob, what would you do your first day in charge? Yeah, I, th I think getting that data right is absolutely critical, absolutely critical. And then I think the other challenge is around, is, is around culture and change. Um, and I think if you're bringing, you know, it depends on the size of the multi-academy trust, but if you've got 12 schools, um, say, you've, say you're bringing two multi-academy trusts together, you know, there is a, there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of questions, a lot of, you know, what does this change mean? What does this change mean for, for you know, school business managers an individual in terms of their role? Are they still going to need all of these school business managers? There's a lot of questions there. So I think, I think there's a sensitivity to that change and it's about setting realistic timelines for how quickly you can make some of the procurement changes that you want to make. Um, so it, it's unlike, you know, you're not going to realise all of the savings right away in the first, or in the, even in the first 12 months because you don't know when everybody's contracts are coming up for renewal, etc. So you know, it is about supporting individuals through that change process of saying, actually, we know everybody's done this individually, or you've done this as two separate entities. Now you're coming together. Let's let's make that change happen. And for me, where procurement, where, where the real fun in procurement comes, where the joy comes in procurement, is when you see procurement enabling an organisation to fulfil the vision and the values of that organisation. So for a multi-academy trust, if there's a really clear vision of where that, that new multi-academy trust is going, where what it wants to achieve, if we can say, right, this is what we're doing from a procurement perspective, and this is how that comes together to support the delivery of that vision that you've all signed up to with this multi-academy trust, then you start to you know, win the hearts and minds of people. Um, and you start to help them to see that this isn't something which is, you know, procurement isn't a blocker, procurement is an enabler. Um, and it's an enabler of that mat achieving its vision. It's an enabler of that mat delivering better education standards and services and wider services to the pupils that it serves, supporting its staff, so its well-being more effectively. You know, there's lots of things that procurement can enable a mat to do. Um, so it's really unpicking that and then looking at how strategically over time um, you can deliver those in, in the best way to support individuals um, because we recognise it is a time of change. Well, thank you both for joining us today. I think that was a very interesting insight into the challenges that trusts face uh, when it comes to procurement and um, risk, compliance, collaborative buy-in and alignment all on the journey to um, good strategic procure procurement. Definitely a lot to um, think about. If you want to find out more about our fantastic speakers, they're on LinkedIn. And I'm sure they'd be over the moon to connect with you. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this and found it useful. 
Look out for our next podcast is coming very soon or subscribe to our newsletter to be notified about all the upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Thank you.